Mag Power Users, Episode 302, Our Gear 2016 Edition. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm doing well, and we are getting back into the groove of things after our 300th episode extravaganza. And I'm like, wait, we have to prepare a show now? I thought people I know, were supposed to do this for us. I, I thought after 300, from there on out, it was like we were done and people were just going to show up with prepared shows, but apparently yeah. not. No. Well, okay. Well, we'll get back to it. Back, back to the, back to the workload, I guess. But anyway, you know this this show actually came out of one of the questions that was asked in our three hundredth episode, uh, and and we had a couple of variations of this question. But people ask us all the time about the tech that we use, the tech that we use to produce the bod- podcast, the tech that we use in our everyday lives. Uh, a variation of this question that was in the three hundredth episode is what is on our desk. That's a question that I get very frequently. Um, you know, just kind of what are we up to and what are we using? And we we did a similar version of the show. I, I had to go back and look. It was either late 2016 or early 2014. But I, I mean, I, 2013. Not yeah, 16. 2013. Yes. And we are now yeah. in 2016. So I think it's about time we revamped it a little bit. Yeah, it's I even have a text expander snippet because we always get these questions. And I said, we'll go back and listen to that episode. Uh, but the problem is most of the stuff we're using now has changed. Well, so now you can update your snippet and tell them to yeah, go listen no, to this can. episode. <laughs> so, but I think it will be fun to kind of share what we're using and what decisions we made and maybe some of the reasons why we made those decisions. So, um, so let's talk. Yeah. And, you know, I think when we revisit this even two or three years from now, it, it'll be a very different landscape even then. I think I'm ahead of the curve on you. I have a feeling that you are in for some significant changes in your setup. I, I, it's I, just a feeling. I, I just feel it. Feeling. I feel it coming. Um, and I'm a little nervous about it, but I think change is good. We'll see. Yeah. So it's inevitable. So you might as well roll with it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start because I actually have two desks. <laughs> you, you only have one, which is yeah, a, but it's a very nice desk, which is a significant change from our, our previous show. So I'll kind of sandwich you in here. Um, okay. But I guess we should first start about um, how our gear has has changed. Uh, I, I'm still rocking a MacBook Air. I've got a 13-inch MacBook Air, but I, I do have a little bit newer edition. I, I do have the current 2015 edition, which which replaces my my prior 2012. That that's a little bit thanks or no thanks to the fact that. I had some repeated issues with it, and it finally ended up having to be replaced. But, you know, I can't tell you that I see a ton of difference between the the 2015 MacBook Air and the 2012 MacBook Air that it replaced. It gets a lot better battery life. But it's for, a great computer. It's yeah. a great machine. But for my day-to-day tasks, you know, I'm just, I'm not taxing it. You know, it still doesn't have a retina display, but it's pretty light. It's pretty portable, but, you know, it, it's a great all-around machine. What was the year that the 13-inch MacBook Air got that, you know, the the new revamped design from the first one? You know, the one with the little, like the little docking bay ports in it and everything. The the experimental MacBook Air, I guess I'll call it. And then, like a year or two later, they came out with the one that is basically the design when they still have. Well, the Gen Two got a significant bump. I mean, there was a significant bump from Gen One to Gen Two. Yeah. Which, when did Gen Two premiere? Do you remember? Uh, two thousand nine. Okay, so because Gen one a, Gen one premiered in two thousand eight, so we have a two thousand nine MacBook Air in our house. My my youngest daughter, it was mine for a while, and my youngest daughter is still using it. 
still uses the heck out of it. It's a great computer. Yeah. And, and as we say that, I'm actually going to go through and, and double check the, the Mac Rumors buyer guide and, and make sure that that's true. But, yeah. but I think that's well, it's true. about right. Or 2010, that may have been. But either way, it's a yeah. while back. But that was when the MacBook Air went SSD. And it's when we got multiple USB slots. And it wasn't when you had to open that drawer anymore, right? Yeah. One of the things I want to talk about on this show, and maybe we'll kind of let it, it roll in later when we talk about some of my gear, is, is you have... Well, you do have a Mac Mini, but but really you have a, a MacBook Air, which is your primary and sole computer. Correct. I mean, the Mini acts more as a server than anything else. Well, I and, have I have two Minis. I I have uh, an old Mini that. Okay, let's go through that now. Talk yeah. about your Minis. Um, I love my Minis. I, I have an old Mini, which was my late grandfather's computer that uh, I helped him set up in two thousand nine. So this is a late two thousand nine. Uh, Core 2 Duo Mini that when he passed, nobody really knew what to do with it. And I just didn't have the heart to get rid of it. So I said, no, no, give it to me. I'll, I'll give it a loving home and then immediately cracked it open and threw in an SSD and, and some extra RAM. So that Mini is basically running kind of as a, as a home server. Although I'll tell you candidly, since I've moved Plex to my, um, to my Drobo and I've got, um, you know, Plex on the Apple TV now that the Mini doesn't have a ton to do. Uh, and then I've got a 2011 Mini, a, a Core i5 Mini, that is my uh, machine on my on my desk at work. Okay, so so one of them is your work computer. The other one is kind of a home server. So kind of getting back to my idea is, you really are a, a one computer person. You've got the MacBook Air, which is that's true. Everything you do, everything on one machine. And I have been for a while. I mean, ever since 2001, when the Titanium PowerBook came out, I was a one, I've been a one computer person and that one computer has been a laptop. So, so my, uh, I'm just going to talk about Macs for a second. We'll go back to iOS devices. But so my gear is I have a 27 inch late 2014 um, iMac. It's the Retina, the very first Retina iMac. And when I bought it, I bought the medium specs. I didn't go crazy with the processor or the graphics card. I did go crazy with the storage. I bought the one terabyte storage because I just have, I, you know, I hate the idea of running out of space on my machine. And that's one terabyte SSD, correct? Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's awesome, but it's crazy. And uh, so that's, so I have that as the computer that sits on my desk at home. And then I have um, the MacBook, I guess we'll call it the MacBook One, the new MacBook that came out last year. It's the 12 inch screen with the retina screen and it's, um, it's a little underpowered, super light and thin. It's kind of like what the MacBook, what the MacBook Air did to the MacBook several years ago, the new MacBook has done to the MacBook Air. It's just super light and portable at the expense of power and extra ports and a few other things. So I, I, I use those two machines. Uh, the, the, what I find interesting is years ago, like you, I had two machines and switched. In fact, I think even during the lifetime of the show, when I started, I had two machines at an iMac and a, and a lap, laptop, but eventually I gave up because syncing and just the, the nonsense of owning two computers was just too much for me. And in the last year or so, since I've switched over back to having a, an iMac and a MacBook, what I've discovered is a lot of the things that pushed me to having just one computer are no longer points of pain. I mean, uh, syncing is you know dead simple now with iCloud and Dropbox and all the other services available to us. And uh, running two machines 
it just is not nearly as much of a hassle as it ever was before. And so, but for some time you had a, I think you had like a, a 15 inch MacBook Pro and that was your main machine for a long oh, time. I was my sole machine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I remember you lugging that back and forth. I took it to work every day. I recorded podcasts on it. I did everything on that one machine for probably about three years. Yeah. And uh, I, I like the new system better. I, I mean, I like having, I guess I, I lose some portability, but this 27 inch screen is, it's just amazing. I, I, you know, everybody that has them talks about this. If you've ever been in an Apple store, you probably have some appreciation, but if you sit down and work at it every day, it's awesome. You know, 27 inches is plenty of screen real estate. I don't need a second screen except occasionally. And in that case, I use my iPad as with the duet display app to like, like right now we're doing a podcast. I've got all my recording tools on that side screen, but generally for the day-to-day work I do as a lawyer, as a podcaster, as a writer, and all this other stuff, the iMac is a splendid machine. I, I really love it. And when I want to be portable, I've got the MacBook. So so it's really nice. And, you know, the downside, obviously, is it's going to cost you more money to buy two machines than one machine. And there is a bit more work in the sense that you're maintaining two machines. But to me, the benefit of it is really nice because I have the advantage of the big screen when I need it and I have the little screen when I need to get on the road. And that's where I think you're heading. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems to me that that would be a natural progression You know, once you get done with school and um, just kind of the, the types of things you're doing to have a nice screen on your desk would be pretty nice. Right. And I do have a 24 inch Apple cinema display that I basically dock. And we'll talk about it when we get to that, this MacBook Air into. So I do have a nice screen on my desk, but I, nothing is retina. Nothing other than my iPhone and my iPad are, are retina. Well, we'll talk about that for a second right now. The uh, what, So what type of screen are you using with your iMac or with your uh, laptop? Uh, well, I've got the, the built-in laptop screen and then I have a 24-inch Apple cinema display, which was, yeah. you know, what's that display? Five, six years old now? Yeah. Right. Is that the one where you had the one cable coming out the back that you can plug in and do everything? Um, yes and no. I mean, this is not the Thunderbolt display. This is the generation before the Thunderbolt display. Yeah. Uh, because the Thunderbolt displays were the 27-inch displays. So it is still display port. So this has a Thunderbolt cable, and it has three USB ports on the back. So you can't do everything, but you can do some things. Yeah. Um, but I think where the lines are are really blurring, and you know, this may be a good time to talk about that, is is with the iOS devices, uh, especially for you, because I know that you know you now have this iPad Pro, and I, as we were just talking pre-show, you know, I I have an iPad Mini and absolutely love it, but I did, and and I could never think of why in the world I would need an iPad Pro in my life, because for everything I think my MacBook Air is far superior. Why would I want an iPad Pro when it's almost just as big and bulky as my MacBook Air and 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 certainly would be about the same size as a, as your MacBook One. And I know that's not the official name, but that's what we're going to call it. But I must say, I laid hands on an iPad Pro last weekend at the Apple store. And I don't know if it's just the new and shiny or it's, it's the fact that I just kind of want the latest and greatest from Apple. But I keep finding myself thinking about that iPad Pro and thinking about, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to have that for this specific use case or that specific use case? And that's where the lines blur. I mean, why do I need an iPad mini, an iPad Pro and a laptop? Yeah, David, I, <laughs> tell I, me. I'm, 
I'm, I'm dealing with that right now because I have both. I have the MacBook and I have the iPad Pro. And, you know, lately the iPad Pro is the new sexy, you know, it's the, it's the new machine in the house. It's something brand new from Apple. So it's a lot of fun exploring where it works and where the limits are. I'm going to do a post on this because I don't think my thoughts are fully coalesced, but I can tell you that right now I've been keeping a list of the times that I use the iPad Pro and I run into some barrier that prevents me from getting work done. And um, there's really two categories. The first is like a showstopper, something that just cannot be done on the iPad Pro. And the second category is something that's just slower. You know, it's slower to, for instance, um, go through mail and add tasks to OmniFocus. I mean, the way I do that on the iPad Pro is I forward them to my magic OmniFocus email address. And then that, you know, sends it to OmniFocus and then I can go to OmniFocus and fill in all the details in terms of what project it, it belongs to and what the defer date is and things like that. And Whereas that's, on the Mac, that's a fine solution, but it's not as good of a solution as using the exactly. Clipper and immediately being able to do it on the Mac. Exactly. With the Clippertron on the Mac, I hit one keyboard shortcut and then I can hit tab key a couple times and I can have that done. So it takes longer to do something like that on an iPad Pro. Um, it takes, it, it, strangely, there's some tasks that are easier on the iPad Pro than I ever expected them to be. I'd spend a lot of time in Microsoft Word and Pages. Both of those work really well on the iPad Pro. And in some ways, I think the screen is better on the iPad Pro than on my MacBook One. It's bigger. Um, and just that, you know, they, they've done a really good job with the screen on that iPad Pro. So sometimes if I want to work a long time on a contract or something, um, the iPad Pro is not a barrier at all. Um, processing tasks very quickly in OmniFocus is faster on the on the Mac than it is on the iPad, but that's partly due to software. I mean, on the Mac, there's a way to quickly select multiple tasks and um, and work with them. Oh, by the way, guys, I have a um, OmniFocus course in Linda now. If you're a Linda subscriber, so go check that out. But the uh, on the uh, on iOS, you have to do it one by one. And I, I suspect at some point that will get better. I mean, the software in the iOS is just going to get better. I'm sure Omni Group is probably already thinking about that. But there are certain things that just don't work. Like, you know, all those keyboard maestro tricks I do are not as easy on the, you know, they don't exist on the iPad Pro, you know. And so some of the automation stuff isn't there. Um, it's, so it's definitely slower in some circumstances. Um, the, I, I am questioning whether... Uh, the amount of time I lose dealing with that is really all that relevant. I mean, I think sometimes, um, you know, it's a different way of working, but it's really not that much slower. And it is pretty nice having all of it. One, being able to switch it over to become a touchscreen, just, you know, yank it off the keyboard. Um, I, I don't really have all the answers yet, but I, I can tell you that I'm thinking a lot about that question and I'll be talking about more on this show in the future and probably at Max Barkey as well. But I could see a future where um, this MacBook One gets older and antiquated and maybe I don't replace it. I, I, I don't know. And that's part of the reason why I'm waiting, because I feel like this is a transition year or maybe last year. Maybe this is the year that things transition. And it's a transition year for me. And I feel like it's a transition time for Apple as well. I mean, obviously, I've, I've got a couple of things in my personal life that need to change. I need to finish this degree. I'm, I'm not going to completely change my workflow. But I, I think you're right. The the experimental setup, you know, I've gone back and forth in my head that I'm thinking about is putting a midline retina iMac on my desk 
and either a MacBook One, depending on what the next revision of that looks like, or an iPad Pro in my bag. We'll see. You know, I'm kind of kicking around the idea of getting, or maybe at this point it may make sense just to wait till Gen 2, getting the low-end model, which is still $800, iPad Pro, and seeing. You know, I I don't need that much storage space, and, and I don't need cellular, just for the the use cases that I have in mind with it, you know, just picking up a, an eight hundred dollar model and wait and see. Well, I'm uh, we're told from some of some of our our listeners who are connected, as well as other people, that the next generation MacBook One is going to be significantly uh, faster in terms of processor. You know, that was it this I believe the Skylake is that the name of the next processor? Right. Um, that 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 is really going to be a nice match for the MacBook One. So the second generation ones are going to be much better as well. Um, I don't think this is a one-year thing where the solution is going to present itself, but it seems to me like Apple is certainly on a course to up the game with the iPad, you know, but they haven't got there fully yet. The The keyboard shortcuts are a great example. I was just talking to a, a friend of mine about this recently because I, I spent a lot of time in email on the iPad Pro and like one of the most common keyboard combinations I use on the Mac with mail is command shift D. And if you don't know that one, it sends the current email. So you're writing an email, command shift D, and it sends it. You don't have to take your finger off the keyboard and fiddle with the mouse. You know, it just sends it. And that is so second nature to me that when I first started using the iPad Pro, I hit command shift D. And guess what? It sent my email. So they somebody in Apple said, oh, this is important. People really like this. Okay. So then what's the, the, the very next step I do after I hit command shift D, what do you think that is? I'm on my keyboard. I just sent an email. What am I going to do next? Close the window. No, I'm going to hit arrow down. Oh, okay. Because I want to go to the next one. All right. You know, or I either hit, I either uh, uh, control command A to archive it and then arrow down. But I quite often I navigate them with the arrow keys on the iPad Pro and Apple Mail. The arrow keys do not navigate the mail. <laughs> so it's like, I don't understand. It's like the guy said, okay, command shift D. I got to get that done. Okay. Then I'm going to go to lunch. Um, what's the, uh, what do they call it? What's the, what's the restaurant in the parking lot over at Apple? It's um, BJ's. BJ's. I so said, I'm going to go to BJ's, get myself a Pazuki, you know, and then he goes and has a Pazuki and then he comes back and takes a nap and forgets to do the arrow keys and it never ships. You know, I, I don't know what happened, but the, you know, it's just the arrow keys aren't there. So suddenly I, I'm yanked out of this process and I have to use my fingers to like fiddle around with the screen to, to move around the email. So there's just like little things like that. I think they're going to get better, but I honestly think it's going to take years because while the hardware is probably there, I think that software development is not going to happen overnight, but eventually um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the iPad pro is going to be a very good contender to, uh, you know, a portable Mac. Wow. So we've, uh, we've got quite some time on, on just our, our Macs and iOS devices. I, I know you did switch to the, uh, the six plus this year. Are, are you still using that as your full-time phone? I know yeah. you've gone back and forth a little bit. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I, I, when I, I went from the five S to the six plus turned it in for the regular six. And then last year when my books went on the six S I got a, a used one from gazelle. And this year I bought the six S plus or six plus S or whatever you call it. Um, and the, um, and it's great. Yeah. It's I great. just, I can't imagine going any bigger than the iPhone six. Well, yeah, we'll see. And then of course we both have Apple watches. I got the stainless steel version. Uh, I know you got the sport version, the, the black sport version. Yeah. Um, and with, we each got a couple of bands. I've, I've got the black sport band and uh, a Melanie's loop and you've got a couple as well, I think. 
Yeah, I've got the black sport band. And uh, for Christmas, in fact, I put this on our gift list at Christmas. My wife must have been listening. I got the Nomad leather strap, which is just a really nice leather strap for your watch. And I don't wear that every day, but when I want to look fancy, I'll put it on. It looks good with the aluminum black um, watch itself. Very cool. Well, now that we've kind of covered the big picture of what we have, I, I think the next step is to talk a little bit about uh, what's on our desk. But before we do, David, why don't you why don't we take a quick break and you can tell us about our first sponsor? I'd love to. Our first sponsor today is our friends over at Daylight. Running a small business can be pure chaos. You've got customers to follow up with, deals to close, projects to complete, meetings to schedule, and a million other things to do. If you have a few employees, coordinating this information gets exponentially more difficult. When you have emails in one person's inbox, task lists on a different computers, and notes on pads of paper, important information always gets lost and time gets wasted. So Daylight solves this problem. With Daylight, all of your team's contacts, calendars, projects, notes, emails, and more are shared in one application. So you can check your team's schedules to coordinate meetings and check the status of a deal without having to interrupt anybody. And with your information on all your Macs, iPhones, and iPads, your team always stays in the loop no matter where they go. It takes all of that chaos and makes it clean, organized, and streamlined. You save time, accomplish more, and work happier. And unlike web apps, Daylight is a real Mac and iOS app that saves everything right on your Mac, iPhone, and iPad. You can keep working from any Apple device, and unlike cloud-based solutions, it works even when you don't have an internet connection. So as soon as you get an internet connection, Daylight seamlessly syncs your Mac, iPhone, and iPad to keep you up to date. Not only is Daylight a native app, it also is tightly integrated with Apple's ecosystem by providing CalDAV and CardDAV services. So you can subscribe to your account and work with your Daylight calendar using Apple's Calendars app and other apps such as Fantastical. You can also work with your Daylight contacts using Apple's Contacts app and other apps that use the same contacts database. This tight integration lets you take advantage of Siri, Notification Center, and more. So as you grow your business, Daylight grows with you. Whether you're an ambitious individual, a lean and mean team, or even a big, small business, Daylight can help you stay organized and efficient. Daylight is made by people who love the Mac and don't want to ruin the experience by making you work in the web browser. Get a free 30-day trial by going to marketcircle.com slash daylight. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-C-I-R-C. <laughs> Try again, Dave. M-A-R-K-E-T-C-I-R-C-L-E dot com slash daylight. And that's spelled D-A-Y-L-I-T-E. There are no limits during the trial, and you can invite as many colleagues as you need. It's a great application made by some some wonderful people. Thank you so much, Market Circle and Daylight, for sponsoring the Mac Power Users. So suddenly I feel the urge to start singing the Mickey Mouse song, you know, <laughs> M-I-C-K. I do really good, except when I have to spell something. I'm, I, I think I have some kind of lingering issue that, I'm, that I don't, that never got diagnosed. <laughs> M-O-U-S-E. All right. I just had to finish it or that'd be hanging yeah. out there. All right, let's, All right. Let's talk a little bit about what's on our desks. Um, so okay, I guess, you've, you've, I, I, guess I better go first since I've got two desks and you only have one now. Well, or we could do kind of category. Like yeah. the first thing I see in here is you have keyboards. So maybe let's talk about keyboards for a minute. Yeah. You know, my, my favorite keyboard for the desk is the uh, Logitech K750. Um, I've, 
I've tried Bluetooth keyboards. I've tried clicky clacky keyboards. I've um, I, I've tried wired keyboards and wireless keyboards. I, I like the K750 for a couple of reasons. One is it's got uh, solar power, so you don't have to worry about putting batteries in and recharging it. It will charge, you know, just kind of with the ambient light in the room. Um, the other is it's an extended keyboard, so it has the numpad on the on the uh, right side. And I use the numpad quite a bit. I know some people don't care about it, but it's got, you know, the inverted T for the arrows and the num- numeric pad. Uh, and then the big thing is it just, it has a nice feel to it. It feels very similar, I think, to Apple's uh, Bluetooth keyboard and very similar to the keyboard on the current line of laptops, excluding the MacBook One. And so if you're going back and forth, you know, just in terms of spacing and travel, if you're going back and forth between the Logitech keyboard and the Apple keyboard, you don't have to kind of do a mental shift in your mind as to what keyboard you're in. I find that if you're switching between two very different types of keyboards, you can be prone to more typos because your your keyboards are very different. Uh, and then the last thing is it doesn't have a lot of travel. As much as I love the clicky clacky keyboards that I'm, I'm used to, I grew up typing on, I found that I've got some issues with RSI and those keyboards don't necessarily love me. So uh, I've actually got two of these keyboards. I've got one of these keyboards, uh, a white one on my desk at home, and then I've got a black one on my desk at the office. Yeah, I've got, um, the, no, the K750 is the one with the solar um, charger. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I bought one of those too. For a while, I used it with my Mac. Eventually, I actually put it downstairs. I have like a little tray that slides under the couch with some tech on it, and I keep it there. And anytime I want, I've got to pick because this one can pair to three devices. I think this is the same one we're talking about. Uh, no, the K seven fifty the the desktop version. Okay. The extended no, version cannot pair to three devices. They do have a, a short version that will. I'll look up the number uh, next time it's your turn. But the uh, so I've got the the short version that has three p- Bluetooth pairings. So I have it paired. That would be to the K seven sixty. Thank you. And I've got that paired to the Apple TV, to my iPad Pro, and my phone. And so if I ever need a keyboard when I'm downstairs, I can always just yank it from under the couch. You know, it's uh, it's like the guy who hides the whiskey in every corner of the house. I have technology. Same problem. Um, on my desk though, I'm using the magic keyboard from Apple. that came out a few months ago. And, um, before that I used the Apple Bluetooth keyboard like you, I think, uh, low travel keyboards seem to suit me. And, um, I know a lot of people don't like the magic keyboard. I think it's works fine. It feels good on my fingers. I like that it charges off the lightning cable. I think I've only had to charge it like twice since I bought it. <laughs> so it holds a charge for a while. And, um, and I like the, the low profile kind of piece of it keyboard's a very personal thing though like everybody a lot of people i'm not saying everybody a lot of people dislike the keyboard in the macbook one and that doesn't bother me at all either so there you have it yeah now um with the with the apple magic keyboard that charges you don't have the new one you don't have to put batteries in anymore do you no there's no batteries in it it's got a little lightning port on the back of it and occasionally you get a little notification, you know, saying, hey, you're running out of battery. And then I've got a lightning um, cable always connected to my Mac anyway, like I'm using it right now to run Duet display. Uh-huh. I just plug Looked that in. into plug the keyboard and go to bed. And the next day it's it's charged up. And they also have that thing where if you're really out and you just plug it in for a few minutes, it'll charge it enough up, up enough to work for a few hours. That's a good idea. Now, um, what about mice or other input devices? Uh, 
on my my desk at home, I've gone with the um, the Logitech Performance MX Revolution mouse. Yeah, that's, that's the one that Mike Mike was talking about, right? No, Mike it's or... not. It's the it's the precursor to that. Although my next mouse will be um, the mouse that broke Mike. That will be my next one. Um, and this that may not be too far off because I've had this one for several years and its battery does not hold the charge that it used to. Um, but I like the feel of this. I think it has a nice ergonomic feel, and I I like a big mouse. The um, uh, now, unless it's alive, and then I do not like it at all. <laughs> well, there's there's like hammers and traps and and Acme Dynamite. There's a different ways you can deal with that. Uh, I I like the, I like uh, computer mice. I, I do not like real mice. Do, do you like freak out if you see one, or is it just you just don't care? You just don't want to be around them. I don't freak out unless they're in my house. When I was a kid, I had a pet rat. I literally had a pet. A rat, rat is not a pet. His name was Montgomery. I named him after a World War II general because that's that's how I rolled when I was eight. Not after Scotty? Nope. Um, but anyway, so I, I'm not a mouse person. Oh, wait, wait, real quick. You said it broke Mike. How did it break Mike? Oh, Mike had issues with RSI with it and he ultimately oh, sent really? it back. Yeah, but that's because he, he, that's that's he programmed it wrong. So that's I have Mike's to catch fault. up with his show. Yeah. I, 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 when he bought it, he was going nuts. And I said, well, because I hadn't used a mouse in a long time. I said, well, maybe I should go try one. And I, I went and got one and I, re, I tried it for like a week and then returned it. I, it's just I'm just not a mouse person anymore. I am a magic trackpad person. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it's probably not quite as accurate for fine detailed stuff, but for, there's not a whole lot of stuff I do like that. And uh, I've got very adept at using the trackpad. I like that, um, once again, kind of on the RSI front, you can tap the tra- trackpad with any finger. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, I love the gestures. Um, you know, better touch tool is... Um, is an amazing product. So I've got a whole bunch of, of stuff programmed into better touch tool. Like right now I've got, like if I, if I force press on the lower left corner, then it takes the current window and fills up the left side of the screen and the same with the right side. So I can put two apps side by side very quickly using the mouse. I mean, just got a whole bunch of shorthand stuff I've been doing with better touch tool. And I know some of that stuff was possible with that Logitech mouse, but I'm pretty sure it couldn't keep up with all of the things I'm doing with better touch tool. And I was just used to the uh, trackpad. So I bought the new magic trackpad when that came out. I think that one is significantly better than the, than the prior magic trackpad. I like the lower profile. I like that. It's more, it's portrait. So it's more the size of the screen. Um, And it doesn't have as steep as an incline. And just like the keyboard, when it starts running out of juice, you can plug it in and um, and charge it. Now, interestingly, the Magic Trackpad needs charging for me more often than the keyboard does, which I don't know why. Yeah, I've got an old Magic Trackpad that I use with my Mac Mini server, and it needs charging all the time. Okay, well, that would be your batteries, right? I mean, you, you, you're putting portable batteries in there? I'm putting rechargeable batteries, but I'm getting the, I've got the good ones. Okay. How old are your rechargeables? Maybe try a different set and see if that's the problem. Yeah, I try to try to rotate them out, but yeah. I do think it, I do think it seems to suck more battery life. Um, and, but either way, it's it's um I'm very happy with my current input setup. You know, with the Magic Trackpad and the Magic Keyboard. Um, I because I know you don't have this because I I've got a second display that I'm I'm using my my MacBook Air with my 24-inch 
display. I, I have a very old riser. In fact, I think it's called the Griffin iStand. It's it's not even made anymore. But I just have a very old riser that I use to keep the display about on, I mean, they're not going to be the same size because they're very different sizes, but to to raise my MacBook Air up off the desk so it's about on par with the the eye level of the display. Okay. How's that working out for you? Oh, I like it. It's great. And it gives me room under to put stuff under the um, under the MacBook Air. In fact, currently, right under the MacBook Air, I used to have some hard drives, but right now I have a, a, a Belkin Thunderbolt dock. And that's what I use. So the Thunderbolt dock is, I guess, it, the display plugs into it, and it, that that is the one cable that plugs into my Mac. And then I've got a bunch of USB 3 ports and an Ethernet port and some other stuff plugged into that. Is that do you know you keep your mic plugged into that as well, or does that go directly into the laptop? Um, no, the mic actually goes directly into the laptop because the mic gets unplugged when I'm not using it. That's that's one of the things I liked about um, using my switch back to having a desktop and a laptop computer was not having to drag cables all over the tabletop every time I wanted to use the um, the laptop on the desk. You know, um, it, and it does. You are going to require some additional hardware if you're going to be using your laptop as and a second display. Because, you know, laptops just really aren't made to have, you know, all your Drobos and networks and everything plugged into them all at once. And even then, I don't have enough ports. I did have to go out and um, buy like an anchor. I I don't know if it's a 7 or a 10 port uh, USB um, hub to plug into that. And I've got that like bolted underneath my desk with double-sided stick tape. That's a good trick because I've got a bunch of stuff like bolted underneath my desk that you can't see. So it doesn't have to to clutter up the top of my desk. Yeah, me too. I went to Home Depot. They sell industrial Velcro there. It's like really heavy duty Velcro with super sticky backs. And on the bottom of my desk, I just stick the Velcro and then put the other piece of Vel- matching Velcro on the device. Like you, I also bought a, um, a USB 3 hub because the iMac, the way you plug things into it is kind of nuts. I, I don't know how else you would do it because they're so thin on the edges, but the um you know getting stuff behind is actually kind of difficult so i i plugged in a a hub which is uh, then velcro to the bottom of the desk um the other thing i have is i have an ikea i got this from ikea and you just you have to google their under under uh under desk wire management system and if i can find a link for it i'll i'll look for it but it's just there it's called their under desk cable management organizer and it's just a, a kind of a, a bunch of wire that it, it almost looks like a trough that bolts up underneath my desk and and hangs down. And I've got a bunch of stuff just stuck up in that underneath my desk, like towards the back of my desk. I've got a couple of uh, hard drives and uh, a bunch of wires and all. And all of that stuff just hangs underneath my desk so I don't have to have it on top of my desk, which has been nice. Okay, they, have, they have one cable management tool called the Cavissel. Cavissel. I, I, I will put it, I'll find it and put a link that's to the show notes. That's not it though. Because it's like a it. box. I know what you're talking about though. It's like, it's like a thing that just bolts underneath. It's got some wires on it. Yeah. I will put a link in the show notes. Oh, it's called the uh, Signum, S-I-G-N-U-M cable management. Of course. It's the one thing from Ikea uh, you can pronounce. Yeah. It's 10 bucks. So yeah, that was easy. Okay. Um, well, you want to talk cable management? I, I kind of shared my trick. I, I've got, I've even got a power strip underneath mine. I've got, you know, the the Velcro trick. It it works, and 
you know, it's out of the way. Also, I have in my desk, there's two holes drilled on either side with a little um, grommet so I can have cables sneaking out and going under wherever necessary. Uh, I do like a clean desk, so it's kind of nice. And that's like another advantage of the big, you know, just the one iMac on the table. It's, you know, there's not a whole lot of other stuff when you're working. Yeah. One of the other things that I've I've started doing, and it's not necessarily on my desk, but for things that can't be on my desk that have to go other places, uh, is you can find these little um, uh, cable management uh, things. Oh, just Google on Amazon or, or search in Amazon for cable management. And so, for example, back behind my desk, I have a Ethernet cable that goes from the wall and sneaks into a, a closet so that I can have Ethernet in the closet because I unfortunately I didn't have the foresight to put an Ethernet connection in my closet, but it has to make like a, a three foot run from where the plug is in my room into the closet. And yeah. I was just able to put a, a strip of this white cable. It's a cable cover, cable cover around it, and it's at the bottom of my baseboard. And it's it's very neat and you'd never know it was there. Nice. Nice. Um, what about docs? You have like, in addition to your cables, how do you deal with your iOS stuff on your desk? Uh, I have got the, uh, the EverDock from Fuse. And I think you turned me onto that originally. I've actually got two of those. I, I have one on my, my desk at home and one on my desk at the office. And I like having a dock for my iPhone on my desk because I use the one at my office much more. It, it, I tell you, it started because I had the problem where if, if I just had a lightning cable in plugged into a wall outlet in my office, it would get snagged all the time. Someone would, would always run into my office because they lost their charger or didn't bring their charger and, um, and, and they would take my adapter. So I found that if I literally bolted my charger to my desk using a dock, nobody was going to steal anymore. Yeah, I, I got rid of mine because I, I just found I wasn't using them as docks much. I had one like downstairs and the idea was when guests came over, they could always charge their stuff. But I switched that to just a cable with some of those cable holders, you know, where it's located at so they can just pull it up if they want. And also, frankly, the iPad Pro and some of the other devices I have don't fit in those docks. And I wanted to be able to charge those as well. So I'm not using that too much anymore. I still and we talked about on our show recently the um the stumps i still have my old stumps the ones that aren't really supposed to be the new stumps but they still hold my stuff and i've got those sprinkled around the house and i've got one on my desk as well in fact when i i've got my ipad pro sitting in one right now um the uh I also do you want to talk one about those, pot- oh i just the last cable management thing i have is i have one of those moss uh magnetic organizers uh, and again, I have two of these. I have one on my desk at home and one on my desk at the office that worked well. And it's basically a, a nice triangular shaped piece of, of metal. It, it almost looks like a, a nice paperweight or something. Um, and you basically set it on your desk and you put these little magnets or your cables themselves have enough uh, metal in them that they become it basically is a magnet. And so if you have cables that are drooping off the back of your desk that you you don't want to fall behind your desk, it just gives you a place to put your cables where they won't fall off the back of your desk. How come you never told me about this before, Katie Floyd? Uh, I I'm, look, I'm looking at a picture of her right it's, now. It's quite a thing. It's it's pretty. I had never heard of this before. Yeah. I'm looking at it, it right keeps, now. You could put it on your uh, bedside table if you wanted to. But it just keeps your cables I think I need falling one off. of these. There you go. $15 on Amazon. I could have it in two Done. days. 
Oh, uh, okay. So the, the first money has been dropped on today's show. If you're keeping score at home. Um, I don't have anything like that. Instead, I have some little um, sticky things you stick on the back and then they, they holds the cables. But I think I like this moss thing better. Okay. Um, let's take a minute. I, I, I don't want to talk too much about um, podcasting because I'm not sure that's really that relevant to a lot of people. But I would like to talk about briefly what we're using for our podcast setups and then get into things like storage and some of the other stuff we've got on our desk. You want to take a minute to talk about our next sponsor, though, first? Yeah, and that's probably a good point to do it. Our next sponsor is our good friends at Smile. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, PDF Pen. Yeah, I love PDF Pen because if you work at all in PDFs, and David, as you know, we do in our day jobs all the time, everything is centered around PDF. PDF Pen is your Swiss army knife for everything PDF related. In fact, uh, I have set PDF Pen for years as my default PDF app on my Mac because it can just do everything. Well, first off, it's got all the basics covered, such as, you know, you can fill out forms, you can sign forms, you can save like your names and initials into PDF Pen. So if you want to just quickly sign a document and send it back to someone, you can. No more printing and faxing because, gosh, who just does that anymore? Um, and then if you want to make Make an edit to a document with PDF Pen. You can. If somebody sends you something and you notice there's a word that's spelled wrong, you can do that. You can highlight it and you can change the text. Um, if you want to highlight text on a PDF, you can do that. I do that all the time as part of my classes. If I'm reading cases and there's something that's important, I just go through and I grab it with my finger and highlight it. PDF Pen also supports OCR, which means if someone sends you a scan document that has text on it, PDF Pen will go through and it will read the text and actually figure out what it says so you can do things with it, including search it, you can redact words, you can even export to Word so that you can take those PDFs that were stuck as PDFs and you couldn't do much with them, unless, of course, you had PDF Pen, and then do all kinds of things with them in Word. It will automatically do page numbering. It's got Bates numbering, which is a fancy thing in the lawyer world if you happen to do that. Uh, and if you have uh, the companion apps for iPhone and iPad, you can even take your PDFs on the road with you. You can sync them up with just about any cloud service, save your PDFs up in the cloud, and then you've got them wherever you go. You don't ever have to worry about printing and faxing anything anymore. You've got everything you need to do with a PDF pen, and then you can just share your documents off wherever you go. Uh, there's PDF Pen 7 for Mac, which costs $74.95, and then there's a Pro version available for $124.95 that adds a couple of extra features, including the ability to create interactive PDF forms, create PDFs from websites, and it will allow you to export documents into Excel, PowerPoint, and the new PDF archive format. It's also great because it can allow you to easily edit the OCR text for proofreading of all your scanned OCR documents. Uh, PDF Pen 7 and PDF Pen Pro 7 are fully com uh, compatible uh, with El Capitan, and they do require Yosemite or later. So if you have not yet, take this opportunity to go over Smile's website uh, at smilesoftware.com slash MPU. Check them out to see what PDF Pen can do for you. And if you're not satisfied yet, go download a free trial. You can try them before you buy them. And check out these videos that this great uh, Max Sparky guy did. Uh, it can show you some of the power that you can do with PDF Pen and PDF Pen for iOS. And my thanks to Smile for their continued support of the show. I just had a, another thing where uh, a lawyer sent me a contract in PDF and uh, said he couldn't export it to Word because the software didn't work. So I converted it to Word and PDF Pen and sent it to him with changes tracked. And I knew it really made him crazy. And it made me smile. <laughs> Uh, okay, so my my um, 
my podcast gear. I've upgraded this a lot since our last show. Um, I, I bought a new microphone last year. I bought a Shure Beta 87A, which is a kind of good all-arounder. And the thing I really like about it is that the it, it doesn't, rec- you know, all of these um, XLR microphones require that you have a board, you know, because you've got a digital signal and it's basically an analog mic. And they make all sorts of devices to get the data from one to the next. Um, but the Shure does not require a huge preamp because the preamp is the thing that kind of boosts the signal to get it into the uh, Mac. And I'm not going to take a long time to talk about this because a lot of people aren't, don't care. But bottom line is this one doesn't require a huge one, which allows you to have options. And I'm I'm using as my my board the Yamaha AG06. Uh, some of our listeners are are some of the Yamaha people. They were nice enough to send this one to me. And it's really great. And I tried two or three others. I couldn't get them to work. And Yamaha said, well, just try this one. And it, it's just been awesome for me. So, and I feel like my audio sounds better than it sounded in a long time. Uh, for my in ear, you know, I use my, uh, these Shure cans, uh, these over ear headphones from Shure that were in the speaker bag at Macworld like six years ago. And they still work great. So that's kind of my podcasting gear in a nutshell. How about you? So, uh, yeah, I admit I'm a little envious of your new podcast setup because mine definitely needs a refresh. I am still using the Rode Podcaster, which is good. It's just not great. I mean, it's it, it was definitely an upgrade from the last mic that we were using. And I think it's probably good enough, but it could be better. And I think it's almost one of those things where it's very easy because I've got this nice boom arm that's connected to it and it's it's one USB cord that I plug in when I'm ready to record. And so I, I know that there are better things out there, but then that gets into a much more complicated setup when you get into an XLR mic and then you've got to get, um, you know, uh, like something like that Yamaha that you have. And then you start getting a lot, lot more stuff on the desk that you've got to start dealing with. So I have been hesitant to move away from this simple USB plug and play setup, but I, I know that if I did, I could, I could get a much better microphone and a little bit cleaner sound. If it helps encourage you a bit, the, the sure, um, 87 a that I'm using it, it, it work, fits right in the road boom. So I didn't have to change boom arms and the Yamaha board is very low profile. So when I'm done recording, I just unplug the headphones and I push it and it goes right underneath the iMac and you don't even see it. You yeah. know, when you're not using it. So uh, it wouldn't be that bad. And uh, I, I do like, I think I feel like my voice has more dynamic range with this microphone than it did with the Shure. The Shure, I'm sorry, with the Rode podcaster. That was very kind of in the middle. Anyway, like I said, we're going to keep that part short. But on the subject of audio, I also have a pair. And I talked about this very briefly on our um, 300th episode. I have a pair of speakers on my desk. I mean, a lot of people say, well, why do you need that? You got an iMac. It's got speakers built in. But uh, these are Focals XS 2.1s. They're two little satellite speakers and a subwoofer that goes under the desk. I reviewed them for Focal. And this has to be like five or six years ago. It might have been even before the Mac Power user started. <laughs> and um, and I like them so much, I bought them afterwards. The, um, and I've had them for years. They're very high quality, which is great when I'm doing podcasting and uh, editing or screencast editing. You know, I do the screencast. I like to hear exactly how the mix is with my voice versus the audio. And it's just higher quality and fidelity than the built-in stuff. It's also really nice because I listen to music a lot of times when I'm working. and um, the uh it's nice to have kind of nice music on your desk so do you have speakers on your desk or are you just using the stuff in your mac 
I have speakers, but not on my desk. I've got a pair of Audio Engine A2 speakers, which are nice kind of bookshelf speakers and even a little smaller than, than bookshelf speakers, but they've got great sound. And I have them on some bookshelves that I have in my office, but not directly on my desk. So the way that I have them connected is also on my bookshelf, um, kind of hidden behind the bookshelf, I have an Airport Express. So I've got them uh, connected via AirPlay. And so I can just stream uh, audio from my Mac and iTunes, but I can also stream audio from my iPhone to them as well, which is nice. Nice. What about storage? Do you have any storage on your desk? Not on my desk, but under my desk, thanks to that little IKEA rack. I've got a couple of hard drives down there. I've got a a one terabyte uh, clone drive. I think that's a Seagate drive, you know, kind of whatever was on sale at the time. And that's just a a USB drive that is plugged in, but not mounted. I use a little utility called Mountain App um, to to keep that unmounted that keeps it from mounting when my computer boots up. But I then use Carbon Copy Cloner to make a nightly clone of that, and it will mount it when it needs it, which is very nice. Uh, And then likewise, I have, I think it's a three terabyte drive. And again, it's either Seagate or Western Digital, but it's a USB three drive that, again, that mountain app keeps it from mounting uh, on startup, which is nice. But again, Carbon Copy Cloner runs a script, I think once a week on Saturday nights or early Sunday morning to uh, clone the contents of my data drive and my Drobo over to that three terabyte drive. So it mounts it when it needs it and then uh, leaves it mounted for a while so that my... uh, Backblaze backup can catch everything and then unmounts it uh, after a certain period of time, which is nice. So I I have the benefit, but don't have to see them. Yeah, the, the one big piece of hardware I keep on my desk other than my computer is I've got a Drobo, a four bay Drobo. It's just the, I think it's the third generation Drobo and it's connected by um, USB 3.0 to the iMac. And it's just really great to have this big pocket of storage, even though I have the one terabyte size SSD, I obviously have more data than that. And this stuff is immediately accessible very quickly. And, you know, all the advantages of Drobo, they were a sponsor on our show for years. Um, The, uh, you know, adding additional drives and and just kind of adding data to it as I need. And it's it's great also because it's connected directly to my iMac. So with my Backblaze account, all of that stuff gets backed up to the Backblaze cloud as well. And that's kind of nice. I think someday I'd like to get that off the desk, but just the way my home office is set up, I don't really have a convenient place for it, but I'm going to put a shelf in or something. How so industrial off strength is your Velcro? Yeah, that would be fun. You know, that would be fun. Like just, you know, I should just put it on there and like mount a camera on it. And then there could be like a pole, like on the internet, you could, you know, bet on how long it'll be before David's Drobo falls off of his desk. I'm not recommending that just to be clear, <laughs> but you could, you know, it's what um, about the other little stuff on your desk? You got some other little stuff we haven't talked about. Um, well, I've got my scan snap is on my desk. Uh, that's yeah. the other big thing yeah. that I keep on my desk. And, and that's a, that's, you know, shoebox size or so. My, my scan snap IX 500 is on my desk, but I, uh, I try to keep as little on my desk as possible. I, um, I have a lot of that other kind of ancillary stuff in my closet and we can talk a little bit about that now or, or later, but uh, I've run power and I've run a network cable and some, um, a, a switch into my closet so that I can keep all of that other stuff off my desk and into my closet in my home office which has been nice. I have no toys on my desk. I do. I have toys. So, I, have, I actually have some other tech too. Um, okay. I have a, um, I have the, um, I have a, 
an Amazon Echo is on my desk right now. Oh, tell me about that, because I thought I would be the first to get an Amazon Echo, but instead you were. Well, everybody's been talking about them. I thought, well, it'd be fun to try one out and we could talk about it on the show. And I had uh, some credit from some stuff I turned in, whatever. And the, um, so I decided, okay, I'll try one. And it hasn't been the immediate love affair that some people have had with it. So it's the, you know, it's the device from Amazon. It's got a little Bluetooth speaker in it and it's always listening for you to call out the magic word, um, is Alexa. Now it just lit up as soon as I said that, um, and you can ask it questions like, you know, what's what's the weather tomorrow or, you know, turn the lights on. It, it's basically like Siri with kind of a, you know, in the corner of your room. Uh, it's a little more responsive than Siri is, like even using the, you know, the magic phrase that you use to trigger Siri without pushing the button. Uh, it doesn't always work for me, whereas the Echo does. It's very responsive. Although I don't think it really adds enough features. You know, I'm not really sure. I've only had it a few days. I'm, I'm testing it out and I have not got rid of the box yet, so I'm not sure. So I'll talk about it more in the future of the show, but it, it may be something that's useful to have around. I've already started hooking it up to a bunch of if this, then that rules, which, which makes it kind of nice. Like I've got a rule that I can add tests to OmniFocus through it. You know, and the, you know, the workflow is I, I, I rerouted the Amazon to-do list to, the um, inbox list and my reminders list. And then of course, OmniFocus from there takes it. So there's some stuff you can do with it, but it's not, it's not perfect. I don't, I don't think it's the end all be all. Let's put it that way. Um, I've got a little thing that I, and this is the old man thing I've got. It's an led loop magnifier and I'll put a link for it in the show notes, but it's just a little circular disc and it's got three led lights in it and you press on it. And it lights up below. And whenever you get something that's so the text is so small that you can't read it, I use that. Um, I've got some frictionless capture cards, which I don't think are even for sale anymore. There's little index cards that you can write things on and a couple nice pens. And I've got a candle from uh, our friend over at Middle David's. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't kidding when I did that sponsor. It. I still use those candles. I've been using them for years. Cool. Currently green tea. Um, but. My favorite thing on my desk for Christmas this year, the family got me, it's a, um, a br- the brand is called Sixth Scale and they make kind of high-end replicas. I want to call them toys, but any little kid would destroy these things. It's a, uh, it's a little R2-D2. He's about four or five inches tall and all the little doors open and all his little mechanical arms can come out and uh, he sits on my desk and keeps me company as I work through the day. I want to talk also about my desk itself, but maybe we should do that after you talk about your work desk. Yeah, so my my work desk is is fairly similar. I mean, it's it's just a um, a, a typical you know kind of L shaped desk, but it's got a lot of the same stuff that I I have on my main desk. So I won't bore you with some of that. I mean, I have a seven port USB hub. I have a ScanSnap S1300. I have another one of those EverDocs and kind of similar keyboard and and mice. Um, The the big change that I have on my my work desk is I've got to adapt that to work with the PC that I have under the desk because there are a few things, you know, they provided me with a PC when I came to work and I said, oh, isn't that cute? Very nice. And I stuck it in the corner and, you know, immediately brushed off the desk to, to put my own Mac mini on top of it. But I do occasionally have to use that PC for a few things. There's some proprietary estate planning software that we use that is PC owned. So um, one of the things that I've done is uh, I've got a a 27-inch Acer display, and it's nothing fancy about it, but it does happen to have multiple monitor inputs. 
So I've got my Mac Mini plugged in as an HDMI input, and then the PC under my desk is plugged in as a VGA input. And so just by flicking the button on the monitor, I can I can jump between those different inputs, whether I want to be on the Mac or the PC. So that's nice to be able to do that. And then I also have a pluggable USB switch, and I think we've talked about that on the show. So the Logitech keyboard and mouse that I have uh, work with this um, similar unifying receiver that works with most of Logitech's products, which means both the keyboard and mice uh, plug in with a single USB dongle that I've plugged into this USB switch. And with just touching a small physical switch on my desk that's in a little box that's, you know, about the size of a pack of gum or so, um, that will toggle it between controlling the Mac and controlling the PC. So with just toggling that switch and toggling the input on my monitor, I can switch between controlling the Mac and controlling the PC without having to have a separate monitor, a separate keyboard, and a separate mouse. So it's it's kind of a, a, a poor woman's KVM switch, but it, it uh, works well. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, the beauty of it is is that 95 plus percent I'm on the Mac. I mean, maybe once a week if I'm drafting, I switch to the PC for an hour or two. Just yeah. to, to use the software to draft the documents and then I'm out of it. Well, um, I, I want to talk about my, oh, also you said you had some equipment to use for your voice recording too. What do you use at work? Um, I've got a, a couple of things. I just have a, a Philips dictaphone that uh, the way that it works is my assistant has special software on her computer that if I just, it, I email her a WAV file and that software on her computer picks it up and puts it into a transcription software for her to transcribe. Um, and then I just have a, a Plantronics headset that I that I use. So. Yeah, I've got a little Sony recorder that does the same thing, except I use it with um, with Dragon Dictate, and it it can transcribe it for me. I could also like hire people if I want. I could send the file to them and have them transcribe it. R- very rarely do I need that. I mean, usually Dragon Dictate is good enough for me. Um, all right, I want to talk about my desk because it's kind of fun. But before I do, uh, let's take a minute to talk about our friends over at the Omni Group, uh, sponsor of our show today. And their product in particular I want to talk about is OmniGraffle. OmniGraffle is the application that allows you to diagram and outline and, and visually represent information. It's super easy to use. You don't need to be a graphics professional to make all this happen. Um, they're always updating it. The most recent version adds a better interface, new icons, um, looks great in full screen mode now and like on the retina screens i was talking about my retina imac OmniGraffle looks amazing they've got everything now in a single sidebar so the tools don't move around the you know the plate the table on you you can just have everything right where you want it and layer management got easier guide management is super easy and you can export the image to photoshop so uh, what you what can you do with this application? I use it for so many different things. I use it in the day job to show the relationship of people or companies or transactions. I have used it to trace money. It makes excellent exhibits. Like if you're a lawyer, you can make exhibits with it. If you're a student, you can make nice looking visual presentations. When I file briefs in court, a lot of time I put visual information in there and I use OmniGraffle to make that. And I always get accused of having hired professionals when people see it. They want to know, you know, why is this guy hiring professionals for this brief? When in fact, it's just me and OmniGraffle for 10 or 15 minutes. They just make it really easy for you. Uh, One of the things I did with it recently, I redid my backyard and I've been setting up my vegetable gardens and everything. I track my vegetable gardens in OmniGraffle. I have a little 
um, I've created virtual vegetable gardens and I go in there and I update it with what I planted and when I planted it so I can kind of keep track of everything. And it, because it's on iOS as well, I can check that on my iPad pro or my, even my iPhone and, and just, you know, check in on those little images. Everything is really easy. And that's really the amazing thing. It's powerful and it's deep, which a lot of people can do powerful and deep, but not many people can do powerful, deep and simple. And that's what OmniGraffle does. So check over, check it out. Go over to the Omni Group and um, and get it from them. I you can get it through the App Store as well. I recommend you get it from Omni Group directly. Um, that way they can give you updates, and you know, it just it's easier to buy the stuff from directly when you're getting something this important. They have a, f- a free, I believe, thirty day trial. They have student discounts. I mean, there's whatever way you want to get into this application, you can get into it. If you've been putting it off. Now is the time. It's a new year. Go learn some new skills. Check out Omni Graffle. And thank you, Omni, for supporting the show. Now, I wanted to talk about my desk. Uh, for years, I've always had this cheesy little desk. You know, it's I think I got it at Staples for like 50 bucks, um, like 15 years ago or something. I podcasted on it for years. I wrote legal briefs on it, but it was never big enough. And it always felt kind of rickety to me. And a couple of years ago, I decided I wanted to get a real big boy desk from my home office. And maybe subconsciously, I knew I was going to be working from home sooner than I thought. I don't know. But I went and bought a fancy desk. I bought um, a stand up, a standing desk. And it's not just one that stands tall. It's one that's got a motor in it. So I can either lower it and use a chair or push a button and stand in it. And uh, when you push a button, it's got motors inside the little um, legs. So the desk goes up and down. You can adjust the height exactly where you want it. Uh, the one I use is the Next Desk Terra, which was recommended by Wirecutter when I bought it, and uh, they're they're quite expensive. It was it was over a thousand dollars when I got all in on it, and um, which sounds kind of nuts, but I did it, and I I haven't re- you know it's one of those things you you regret it when you spend the money, but you never regret it afterwards because it's just so solid. Since then, um, Wirecutter is now rep- recommending the Jarvis Bamboo, which is a different manufacturer. It's less expensive and I'm told just as good or very closely just as good, according to Wirecutter. So you can save some money that way. I also have a fatigue mat I keep here. And even while we're recording the show, sometimes when my watch tells me to stand and Katie's talking, I'll mute my mic and, you know, push the button and raise my desk and stand for a while. And uh, it it really is nice having a standing desk, Katie. Um, if you ever uh, decide to go a little crazy, I recommend thinking about it. Yeah, I am thinking about it, but you know, it's kind of the type of thing that I would have to do at home. It's it's not going to work in the office for the type of desk and and model that we yeah. need at the desk. You know, unless I get one of those ones that's designed to go on top of your desk. And well, I know the, not, the wire cutter I mean, does recommend one of those. I, you know, I think when when you're getting into the sub thousand dollar range, I mean, a thousand dollars is a lot to spend on a desk, and I'm not saying ask. it's not worth it. It probably is. Uh, I don't know if it was, but I did. (laughs) uh, But there's just kind of a mental block, you know, when you're looking at over a thousand dollars for a desk. Um, I mean, these it it looks like you're in like the six hundred dollar range and probably closer to seven by the time you configure it. Yeah, well, I did not go crazy with the next desk. I I got one of the lower end ones, but the um, uh, you could go you could spend quite a bit more on some of their products. But when I started thinking about how much time I spend working at my desk, uh, it just seemed to me like it was a worthwhile investment. And now that I'm at it seven days a week, I'm really glad I did it, but get yourself a good fatigue mat. If you get one of these, don't just buy the desk. Also get something where you can stand on your, your knees and your feet will get sore uh, standing on a hard floor all day. Um, and I, I don't stand for, you know, four hours at a time. I'm just up and down all the time. 
and and I am even after all these after several years now of owning this thing, it, it's not something that wore off on me. You know, I don't just use it sitting down all the time or standing up. I'm always cranking it up and down throughout the day. Now, how does that work with your cables and all? Because that was one, you know, I, I briefly had a standing desk that was one of these convertible desks that worked on top of your original desk. And I ended up sending it back. It was not a great experience. But one of the big annoyances when I was constantly raising and lowering the desk, all of the cables that I had attached to all of the various things that are on my desk caused an issue. You know, I was constantly pulling things out and things were falling off because the cables that were attached. How does that work? Okay, can you hear? I just raised it. Now, now I'm talking about. It. I feel like I can get away with raising it while we're talking. Yeah, I could hear you raising it. Uh, so um, the uh, it, the cables are no problem at all. It has a long cable that goes up to the top, and it comes with a a, a multi port power uh, adapter screwed into the bottom of it. So the trick is you plug everything into that, and then the long cable is the only thing draping down. And it's the way they do it. It's very elegant. So, and it's got enough slack in it that it can go up and down just fine. So all my gear is essentially plugged into the, um, the, the, the underside of the desk. So it goes up and down with the desk. And, and one of the advantages of it is frankly, when I want to work on cable management, I just crank the desk up as tall as it'll go. And I can really get under there very easily to, you know, fiddle with things. But that's one of the issues with the Drobos. Like if I take the Drobo off the desk, then I have to accommodate for the desk going up and down and the Drobo staying connected and not being yanked off a shelf somewhere. Yeah. And well, and you probably don't have all your stuff plugged into an APC then. Well, no, because battery this. Battery backup. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. And But for me, that's not really an issue. We, we and, live in Florida. That's not an option to not have it plugged into a battery backup. But wouldn't if I, but wouldn't if you just plugged in the, um. Well, I don't know that much about battery backups. Do they have to plug directly into the battery backup? You can't go through like a um, a power. Well, the prob- the problem is, is you want to sell, like, let's say hypothetically you have a eight port battery backup. Yeah. Typically four, four of those ports are really battery backup and the other four are just surge suppression. Yeah. So I'm going to want to plug my monitor or my, my computer into the battery backup port. And maybe I want to plug my hard drives into the battery backup port because if my hard drives are spinning, I want to keep those spinning. And maybe my monitor, I don't know. But, you know, I don't need to plug my scan snap into the battery backup port. I don't need to plug my, um, you know, my whatever, you know, things that don't necessarily, you know, if I lost power that it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I don't need to plug everything into the battery backup. And the more things you plug into the battery backup, it only has a, like you, you never want to plug your printer into the battery backup because printers are huge power sucks. And the yeah. more things you plug in, the le- you know, your battery life goes all of a sudden from 15 minutes to like 30 seconds. So it wouldn't be many items. And, and the, you know, the total travel of this depends on how tall you are, but I'm kind of short. So the total travel of this thing for me is probably about two and a half feet or less. So you would just have some slack and, and those would be plugged into your battery backup. Now, do you keep that under your desk currently? Yeah, my desk actually has like a small shelf on the, like a, a wooden shelf built into the bottom of the desk. And that's where my battery backup is. Yeah. Or if you felt lucky with industrial strength Velcro. No, that's those things are heavy. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Yeah. But the uh, but yeah, I think you could still pull it off. If we got any Floridians using these uh, these stand sit desks, let us know for the live show how you're you're dealing with that problem. I want to get Katie in one of these things, but it's, um, it's really nice. I, I don't know. I just, I feel good. And see my desk faces a window. So it's nice. I get to look out the window and push the desk up and down and I don't know. Very cool. Okay. I think we finished on our stuff on our desks, but we do have some other tech in our houses. You want to talk about some of that? 
Yeah, so I I mentioned that I've I've got this network closet. Uh, I ha- I have a couple of network closets in my my house actually. So one of the things that I did when I when I built my house is I built in a, a network closet, and this happens to be in my laundry room. And and basically what that is is it was a single place in my house where all of my cables ran to. So all of my um, uh, coax cables terminate in this closet. Um, all of my um, what gosh, what are they called? All of my cat six cables terminate in this closet. Um, I've got power in this closet. So this, this closet is basically designed. This is where you put your router. This is where you put your, uh, your cable modem, you know, so the, clo- the, the, and by closet, that's a very generous term. It's, it's basically like an oversized electrical box is, is where all of this stuff terminates. So, so inside that electrical box, I've, I've got a couple of things. Like I have a 16 port wired switch that connects up everything in my house and I have a cable modem and that's where little network connectivity things go. Like my Hue hub is, is in there because it will fit, but big network connected things aren't going to fit. So I've, I've also have a closet in my office that I have power and then I've rerouted, I, I should have just dropped an Ethernet port in there, but I didn't think of it. Um, but thankfully I had an Ethernet port in my office that wasn't being used that's about three feet from that closet. So that's where I, I rerouted a network cable into that closet and put a, a small switch in there, like a little seven port switch in there. Um, and then in the closet I've got, that's where I keep my Drobo 5N. I've I've got a transporter. That's where I keep my Mac Mini now for my server. I've got an AirPrint printer in in there. Um, I got a lot of little little things in this closet, and then I've got power in there that I've also got another. I've got a I've got two battery backups in my office: one in the closet uh, and one at my desk. Katie Floyd, you're so impressive. Sometimes you got this <laughs> got these closets. I mean, it's like an IT pro right yeah. in the house. Yeah. And you can just shut the door and you don't have to hear the little, I mean, I, I was worried originally about, you know, having the Drobo in the closet where I record the pod. I mean, I don't record the podcast in the closet, but in the closet of the room where I record the podcast, but uh, it, it hasn't been an issue. And especially when you close the closet door. We, um, we have a little um, underneath our stairs. There's like a cutout the stairway in our house, which is pretty centrally located. The and, Harry, um, Harry Potter closet. I, I call it the Harry Potter closet, yeah. <laughs> but there are no doors on it. So I, a couple of years ago, I, I got some walnut and made some doors for it with little cutouts for pictures, so we can put family pictures in there on accordion uh, hinges, so you can open up and close it. But if you go in there, there's a really ugly mess of um, routers and various home automation device um, hubs and things like that that I don't like to think about. Uh, but that stuff's all in there, but it's not that really that well organized. It, isn't it weird how you spend time organizing that stuff and then you don't touch it for like six months and you come back and all the cords are tangled into each other, even though there's been nobody in there. I don't I, even understand I, how that I works. I tell you, 3M double-sided tape is your friend. Yeah. And what way do you use it? You just, you stick that like on the back of your router, stick it to the wall or the inside of the cupboard, whatever. Yeah. Boom. That stuff is good. Yeah. And and it comes off very easily. Will it stick to drywall? Okay. I've never tried to stick it to drywall. Um, yes, it will stick to the drywall and the drywall will stick to the router when you pull it off. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> be careful. Yeah. Is that the voice of experience there? Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I put a couple of pieces of that and stuck my Apple TV to the back of the TV and I, I finally got it off. It required some prying, but the, the Apple TV is quite scarred. I like that the conversation starts that you finally got it off. I finally got it off. It, yeah. 
the um well i don't you know i don't have that much stuff under there but um and i've got a shelf that it sits on just fine but the the problem i have is just the way the cords seem to like tangle into themselves every time i i look in there i don't even have to touch anything i just have to look at it and we also have the family printer in there as well and you know just kind of all that stuff in one place so it's like a disorganized version of katie floyd i mean wireless is great for a lot of this stuff but still nothing beats a wired connection yeah um, some of the other tech in the houses um, that I think is probably worth talking about a little bit. We've done home, home automation shows, but I just had to tell you, I, I still love my Sonos. They've, they've expanded. I don't know when the last time I reported into the Mac power users listeners on it was, but now I have a Sonos play one in my bathroom. So that gives you a pretty good idea of how far down the rabbit hole I fall. Seriously. <laughs> we had a, um, we had a party right before the new star Wars movie came out and the, um, I usually keep in the bathroom upstairs and uh, because, you know, I'm taking a shower. I want to be able to listen to some, of my, some of my jazz. Right. But the, um, uh, I, um, when we had the star, Wars, we had a party where we, we uh, premiered all three of the prior star Wars movies before the episode seven came out. And, and so we had our friends over, we were watching all three of them. And I, I took the one from upstairs and I put it down in the bathroom downstairs. And before the, um, before we started with the movies, I went online and, with Apple music and downloaded all these like disco versions of star Wars and jazz, all the, you know, star Wars has been apparently played in every type of genre of music ever known to man. So I, I got all those music and I put it in a playlist and people love that they'd go in the bathroom and the music was still in there. I don't know. I really love the Sonos. That's probably my favorite bit of home tech that I've got all over the place. Well, you know, uh, we've got so much little miscellaneous stuff between the Sonos and the Hue lights and, you know, automated this and automated that. I, I mean, that could take, we, we could cover a bunch of stuff there. Cause I know we've got little gadgets and gizmos all around our houses. You want to save that for another day or what do you want to do? Well, no, I think we have time, but before, why don't we take a quick break here and, and I'll hit our last sponsor and then we'll, we can come back and, and wrap up with all those, all the little stuff that we have that's just kind of tucked in nooks and crannies. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. So uh, our last sponsor for this podcast is our friends over at Squarespace. Uh, you can start building your own website today by heading over to squarespace.com and entering offer code MPU at checkout to save 10% off. Uh, you know that we are big fans of Squarespace. When it comes to building yourself a place online, there is nowhere better. Uh, Squarespace gives you all the power you need in your hands to build an amazing website, uh, but they take all the pain points away. You don't have to worry about hosting. You don't have to worry about scaling. You don't have to worry about what you do if you get stuck with something. They just take care of it all. They help you build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level with no coding required. They have very easy to use tools that are all in your browser that can make your website look and feel exactly how you want. There's nothing to have to download. Um, there's no programs that you have to fiddle with. There's no flash or anything like that. You just start go using Squarespace right in your browser and it just works. Uh, they use the latest state-of-the-art technology to power your site and to ensure security and stability. They are trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands, including Relay FM and Max Barkey and Katie Floyd, to host their websites. Uh, their site templates are stunning and easy to look at. They all feature responsive design and they make your site look great on all sizes of device. 
but they have a ton of awesome features as well, including 24-7 live chat uh, and email support. They have a commerce platform if you decide that you want to add a store to your Squarespace site. They've got cover pages and they've got rock solid fast hosting. So if you want to stretch Squarespace any further, they do have a development platform that is now out of beta and available to everyone. So you can do all kinds of things to take your Squarespace site to the next level. And if you sign up for a year of Squarespace, you'll even get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month and you can go Go ahead and start a free trial now without a credit card. Start building your own website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Mac Power users and all the great shows over on Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Okay, so I talked about my Sonos fixation. What, what, what's your uh, fixation around the house lately with tech? Well, I, I I don't have a fixation with it, but I I you know I met I was making a little fun of you with your bathroom Sonos. Um, yeah. I I do have a speaker in my bathroom as well. Okay, so you you really can't you no know, can't do that to me. No, um, I mine's not nearly that fancy. Um, I I am a little jealous of your Sonos setup. I must admit, I've just got a couple of speakers around the house plugged into AirPlay. Um, and the little speaker in my bathroom that I have set up is just a, um, it's one of those Amazon Basics Bluetooth speakers. And I, I got a very simple wooden shelf that I put up in the bathroom. And so I, I, I bought a speaker shelf for the bathroom. So I'm not judging. Yeah. Well, um, didn't you have to have power and all to put your, your Sonos speaker in the bathroom? Yeah, but the, it's just on the counter in the bathroom. Okay. It's not in the shower. It's in the, like, you know, there's like the same. Well, it's like the, plugged in next to your electronic toothbrush. Uh, yeah, exactly. My <laughs> so wife, you, she thinks I'm crazy. So you've got a power strip in your bathroom so you can plug in like your toothbrush, no, your Sonos, no, your hair dryer, need, your curling iron. I don't need a power strip. I just have a couple things. But the um, it's nice because I work at home a lot and my home office is a corner of our bedroom and kind of the bathroom's attached. So I'm always going in there to, you know, whatever, brush my teeth or whatever during the day. And and it's nice when I play music, I, I've got it like throughout the entire, you know, Sparks Lost Suite. <laughs> yeah. the, the other thing I have is um, I bought this a couple of years ago. Like it was one of those things about during a show, a guest or somebody mentioned a shower mate speaker. And um, it's a $12 speaker on Amazon. And I bought one and it's a Bluetooth speaker that's got a suction cup and you can stick it to the wall in your shower. This is so if you're not, you know, Sonos crazy like me, this is the other alternative pick. Um and it pairs easily with your iPhone. And what I use it for is mainly like if I'm listening to a podcast and I want to hear the rest of it while I'm showering, don't, you know, don't go there. Um, the, uh, you just turn on the, uh, the shower mate and it pairs the Bluetooth and, you know, it continues the podcast. You can take your shower and listen to, you know, something good on the little shower mate speaker. It's a terrible speaker. It was $13, but it's good enough to play voices. Not um, good enough for music. I and I've it, and it's got a pause button, so you can pause it too when you're done. You know. There you go. Can you talk to Siri on that? Can you? Yeah, like, you can. Add things to your reminder list because I, I think of I stuff all the time. It. Yeah, I tested it, but I've never. Um, I don't really go there when I'm in the shower. I don't usually think of things to add to the. To well, the you've list. got you've got your paper in the shower. So. I bought the paper, but now what the paper is now when either Daisy or I leave town, we leave a cute note for each other. You know, there before we go out of town. That's what we use it for. We don't seem to write down actually things to do on it anymore. Wonderful. But um, I'm not sure she'd like I, me sharing I've got that. Some, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I, I've also got some speakers. I, I put, again, some simple AirPlay speakers. These are just, these are nothing fancy. These are just, they were my old computer speakers and they never died, but they were a decent set that had a little subwoofer. I, I don't even know what they were. I think they were Alpine something or other. But I um, I have some, what do they call it, trim? I guess it's just trim on the on the top of my kitchen cabinets. So there's a, if you were to get on a ladder and look down at my kitchen cabinets, there's like a, a hole where, see, like the trim. Yeah. And so the speakers fit down in there. So you when you're standing in my kitchen, you can't see the speakers. So I put the speakers up there behind the trim. Nice. Um, and I drilled a tiny little hole in the top of the cabinet. That was nerve wracking the day I was moving into my house. I'm like, yeah, let me get a drill and drill a hole in my brand new cabinets. Um, Make it your own. Yeah. Drill some holes. I drilled a tiny little hole in the top of my cabinet because um, it happened to be the one where, because, you know, one of your cabinets has power in it for your microwave. Yeah. So I drilled a hole in that cabinet so I could access the power and plug the speakers uh, right in there, thread a little cable through there. And again, I've got an, I've, where, where my microwave is plugged in, I've got a power strip, I've got an airport express, and I've got uh, airplay speakers plugged in so that they run up to above my cabinet. So I've got airplay speakers up there so I can play podcasts and all when I'm in the kitchen. I could have just gotten a little Bluetooth speaker. That probably would have worked too, but this is so much cooler. We had a, a situation in our house last year where suddenly we were using a lot of data with our wireless carrier and we have a lot, which is good, but I was really concerned. And then my kids informed me, oh yeah, the uh, Wi-Fi doesn't work in my bedroom. So I've just been doing everything on the, you know, on the, on the cellular for a month. So, you know, That's all a the good thing to know. videos they watch, all the YouTube. <laughs> so, so I went and bought a, an airport express and put it upstairs and used it. You know, they have a mode with Apple, you know, when you're using the Apple equipment, it just, it just basically acts as a signal booster. And I hit it upstairs in a cabinet near their rooms. And now our wireless data is back to normal. Well, that's, that's always good. Um, we, but we both talked about our, our hue lights. I know you've got them all over your house. Uh, I I've got just the simple ones and, and a couple of lamps and then my, my outside lights. And those have been a nice addition. Yeah, it is nice. And uh, I, I like, um, the, they, that's another thing like the Sonos that continues to grow. Now that you can get a, a white one for 15 bucks. Um, I've added several more in the house in different locations. I put one in the front porch now. So, um, we just leave the front front porch light turned on and let Sona, uh, let Hue control it. And I can even use if this and that rules, you know, with some of the home automation stuff I have. So it's, um, it's pretty nice being able to control those lights. Yeah. Um, I've, I, I've kept a couple of Wemos. I, I used to have quite a few Wemos around the house, but I've, I've really pared those down. Uh, but I do have two left. I've, I've got one Wemo switch in my bedroom that just controls a fan because I like sleeping with, with white noise. So I've got a, a fan that's connected to the Wemo um, that basically goes on at bedtime and, and turns off when it's time to get up. And the, the funny thing is it's like a backup alarm clock because if the fan turns off, unless I'm just dead, dead, dead asleep, I will wake up pretty quickly after the fan turns off because something is not right if the fan's not running. Yeah. Um, and then I also, I have a, um, I have a couple of D-Link cameras around the house and I've got one in my garage that's really its sole purpose is to look at my garage door. And if I drive away and think, huh, did I forget to close the garage door? I can just pop open the camera. And then I, I bought a second one and I finally just kind of put it in my living rooms where it, um, you know, can get a good angle of my whole house. But it's a little freaky. I don't like the idea of that camera being on when I'm home or all the time. So I've got it connected to a, a Wemo switch that I can manually turn on and off. So I know if there's no power connected to the camera, the camera's not on. <laughs> yeah. 
That makes sense. Well, we, I bought, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Canary all-in-one home security system. Right. Um, they, uh, they were, I believe a Kickstarter or something. At some point I, I backed them and it took them quite a while to get the thing released, but it's a nice little kind of attractive camera that just plugs in, in your house. And it is, it is always on, or you, you can turn it off remotely. It's got different settings for it, but it's actually kind of a home security setup and it knows the four members of my family. And if we're not here and somebody, the camera triggers, it takes video and it sends me a notification. Uh, we had this when we were in Florida uh, for that conference. Um, we had some relatives staying at our house while we were gone. They were running in a, in a local marathon. So they said, they'll stay at my house. And, um, you know, I'd get these notifications that they were walking around and they'd be eating. It's not upstairs near the bedrooms, obviously. It's just like downstairs and they were making breakfast or whatever. It was kind of nice to know that it works because I don't really think about it much, but it's a, it's a really nice kind of home security system. If you're looking for something simple, I think this would also be good for somebody like if you had an apartment and, you know, you can't start wiring things in and, and we've got some listeners that have done some amazing kind of home security stuff. Maybe we'll do more on that this year, but for a couple hundred bucks, you get one of these canaries and you stick it in a corner and you get a notification if there's anybody, you know, nosing around in your place. And, uh, that's pretty nice. Um, the other thing I have is I have a ring doorbell and I've, I have mixed thoughts about that. I, I bought it off of, um, gosh, what is it called? Stack social. And I, and it, it was fine. I, I probably wouldn't buy it again, but it's kind of nice to have. It's, it's one of these doorbells that if someone rings it, you'll get a notification on your iPhone and you can initiate a video call with them or see who's at your door without actually going up to the door. Yeah, this is the thing where Katie wants to get her Apple stuff delivered to her house, right? Right, right. And it's fine. But the problem is, is the the motion notifications are not great. And sometimes delivery people don't actually ring the doorbell. So I really had to turn off all of the motion notifications because I was getting way too many false positives. But it's interesting. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Is that a ring? How's that for a ringing endorsement? Would you recommend it? I, th- I think it's got promise, but it may need another few generations to to work out some of the bugs. I've I've got it and it's up and I'm not going to take it down. But it's one of those things that it came with a because of the special I got, it came with a year of like recording. So if someone comes up and rings my doorbell, I can go see who it was. But when that year of recording runs out, you know, all of these things now come with a subscription. It's like, gosh, yeah. do I really want to pay whatever it is? And I, I don't remember what it is. It's either like 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 something dollars a month. Do I really want to pay another month, a yearly subscription for something? And, you know, Ring's not going to make the cut next year. It's not, I'm not going to pay the Ring subscription. I'll still get yeah. notifications when someone comes up to my door and pushes the buttons, but I'm I'm not going to get any, any more of that video recording. Yeah, that canary I was talking about earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. The canary has a, a a subscription model too, where if you pay, they save the video longer, you know, but the, um, I just really need it for notifications if somebody's there and, and they're not supposed to be. And, um, oh, you can also trigger a remote alarm with it. You can make it start squealing like crazy. And, yeah. um, uh, but the, uh, it's, um, so I've never paid for the subscription service on it, but I'm, I'm actually tempted to buy a second one because I was thinking that we would have Apple home kit everywhere by now when we'd have all these great options and everything would be so fully integrated. And it feels to me like a lot of that hasn't happened yet. And I'm tempted to buy another canary because there's another section of the downstairs house that's not really covered by the existing one. And I was thinking, well, if I had two of them, we'd have really great coverage and that would be our security system. 
but I haven't committed yet. Well, I, uh, I tell you at this point, I am really hesitant to to buy any of this home automation software yeah. right now until we see what what shakes out with HomeKit. Yeah, and it just feels like there's like all these competing venues, and that's why I've kind of simplified things. Uh, largely, we've got, we've kind of bought in with the Hue systems for the light bulbs. Um, and we haven't done a whole lot of other stuff yet because we've been kind of waiting to, and, um, and it seems like the hue is deep enough now that they're, they, you know, they are supported by HomeKit already. I have the, the new bridge and I can trigger it by Siri, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm just wondering if I need this Amazon echo or not, but, uh, more on that in the future gang. Yeah. Well, any other great, uh, burning tech that you have at your home that you, uh, just have to tell people about? I think we've covered a lot of it already. No, you know, I've simplified a lot of stuff over the last few years. I, I've gotten rid of a bunch because, you know, it's trying to keep things simple. But but uh, I do love my geeky toys, as you can tell from the show. <laughs> well, there you go. Next time people ask, we'll send them this episode. And that's kind of a complete rundown of, of all the tech that we have in our home and, and what we use. So we didn't even get to our iOS gear because we, we thought about it. But gosh, that could be a whole other story. Yeah, and, and there's a whole other story behind this episode about how often Skype shut down on us and hopefully nobody ever realizes it. <laughs> hopefully you from never the final know. product, thanks to clever editing. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, to our editor, Mark Miles, for making sure that nobody ever notices that Skype shut down a bunch on us and we had a horrific Skype call. But thank you also to our sponsors, uh, Daylight, Smile, Omni, and Squarespace uh, for their support of Mac Power users. If you've got some gear on your desk or at home that you think we absolutely should have covered or something that you particularly love, now's your chance. Send in an audio comment. We'll hear about it in the live show coming up. And uh, if you want to send us feedback, send it to Twitter at, uh, at Mac Power Users. Katie's at Kitty Floyd and I'm at Max Sparky. Yeah, and you can find links to everything that we talked about in this show at our website at relay.fm slash MPU. And just a quick note to people out there, the MacPowerUsers.com website is still up. We've we've kept it going um, and said that we would for a year or so after we made our transition to Relay. Uh, MacPowerUsers.com, the domain, will always be up and running. We are not going to let that go. Uh, but the MacPowerUser site is probably going to go away in the next couple of months. I know some people have been using that still to contact us. We still get a lot of emails from that uh, MacPowerUsers.com contact form. And I know a lot of people are still getting show notes and links from that old site. We are working with our web guys to try to redirect that old stuff to Relay FM. Um, if not, and keep those old links alive. If, if not, that all is just going to redirect to the main MPU page on Relay. And all of that information is over on Relay now. So hopefully you'll be able to find what you need. But uh, just a heads up that, that that site will not stay up indefinitely. Probably in the next three months or so, it, it is going to go away. And on that note, have a great week, gang. We'll see you next week. <laughs>